Welcome to Unleashed at Work and Home, the show dedicated to helping veterinarians, vet techs, dog trainers, shelter and rescue workers, pet sitters, and all the other animal-crazy pet professionals manage their stress and find more joy. I'm your host, Colleen Pilar, and I'm thrilled you're here with us today. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite app so that you won't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by our free community, the Circle of Resilient and Thriving Pet Professionals. If you like the ideas shared here, then you're invited to continue the conversation with other lifelong learners in the community. You can find out more at ColleenPilar.com. It's the perfect place for you to learn cool stuff, feel good, and take action to create the life you love. Come join us. My guest today is Maria Giacio of Little Rascals Pet Care. Thanks for joining me today, Maria. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm curious, I noticed you do pet care just for small dogs. Can you tell me a little bit about your work and how you got into it? Well, so the small dogs was my original business plan, and we kind of wandered away from that for years, and I've just gone back to small dogs only. So how long ago was that, the original plan to now? What kind of time frame are we looking at? 2017 is when I quit my job in an office mm-hmm. and doing accounting to go full-time with my pet care business. And my business plan was going to be dogs 20 pounds and under, because that's the size of my dogs and the cats I had at the time, and boarding dogs only. And uh, everybody wanted daycare. The uh, 10-pound multi-poo turned out to be 25 pounds, so I raised it to 25 and under. Um, (laughs) And then um, all of my friends got big dogs, so Keyshawn's Toller, um, Standard Poodle, German Short Hair Pointer. (laughs) And so they all came as puppies, and if they maintained the ability to play nice, I did let them keep coming. And so that left me with the Keyshawn's and the Toller. And this is their last year with me. So I'll have the Keyshawns here this month and the Toller scheduled for Christmas a year ago. So he'll be here for Christmas. And then we're going to be 100% all the little guys. What made you decide to do boarding and also daycare? Apparently clients made you decide to do the daycare, but what drew you to to boarding initially? Um, I'm a training assistant here in Napa at the Napa Valley Dog Training Club. And we were in a puppy class and one of the students asked for referrals for uh, kennels in town. And, you know, we gave them the usual information. And I don't know why we've done this how many times. And it bothered me for some reason that that specific dog was going to go and hang out in a kennel. And so I took their number off the roster and called them later that day. And I said, hey, this is Maria from the dog club. I don't know if this would work for you, but you know, here's what my work schedule is. So your dogs would be basically with my dogs. Wouldn't you rather her come and hang out in my house during the day? And then late afternoon to overnight, I'm it's just me and your dog hanging out on the couch. And they loved it. And so they were my first client. They're still my client. Um, that was 2014. And then a couple of members from the dog club were like, Oh, you you watch dogs? <laughs> <laughs> So I had uh, mainly a big collie who used to come from there. And then in 2017, I was like, well, 
I could have more dogs hanging around if I didn't work in an office <laughs> and I could do the cat sitting easier that I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so I left and a couple ladies in town who do pet sitting were like, you just got to go full force. You just got to jump in and it'll happen for you. And it took a couple of years, but now I'm doing really good. So your income is from dogs boarding overnight. And then also some dogs who come just for the day, daycare. And then you do some home visits for cats who need someone to care for them. Right. It's mostly daycare now. It's mostly daycare. And some boarding, but we have weird months like this month where it's most, it's reversed and it's mostly boarding and some daycare, but 90% of it is daycare and then some boarding. And then um, in the mornings before daycare and the evenings after daycare, I go and visit homes for cats and bunnies and other small critters. And this is out of your home? Yes. So tell me about daycare in your home. How does that work for you? It's pretty good. (laughs) Um, uh, I just got new furniture. (laughs) <laughs> and the recliner got tagged on Tuesday by a boy dog because that happens. He then tagged me um, on Thursday. So <laughs> um, it's a lot of cleaning. You can't do the typical home environment of stuff out because, you know, there's dogs and uh, things like that. But for 10 years, I was also Little Rascal's family daycare. So I've never really had all my stuff out because there's always been some little person or little animal who was going to get into trouble if I had things out. So, so you did human daycare before you did dog day from high school on. That was what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to work in a preschool. Oh, so interesting. Okay. That was my goal. So I jumped in way too far into the story. Start me way back. Like start me in fourth grade. What did you think you were going to do? And what did you do? Well, in fourth grade, I probably, fourth grade, I probably thought I was going to work with animals. Okay. Because we were always about the animals. You know, I would go to my grandma's house and she had a steer and uh, her neighbor, um, who was my age, had um, 4-H lambs and whatever. And then at our house, we had the dogs and, well, a dog at that point. And as we got older, my mom um, is very patient with animals and children. And so uh, she had her dog and my sister had a dog and my brother had a cat and I had a cat, a rat, nine mice and a hamster. And my cat was a present to get me to get rid of a box of frogs because she didn't want those in her house anymore. So I I had, for most of the time, thought I was going to work with animals in a veterinary field, um, but I'm not good with, I thought I wasn't good with the wound part mm-hmm. of it, that kind of thing. And, you know, then typical teenager, I babysat a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, this is good. And through my high school, I got to take um, ROP childcare courses where I worked in a preschool nearby for a bit. And I thought, okay, well, this is something I could do. And I started classes out at the college and then I had a baby and my mom found a program where um, you take this class and then they give you a grant for money to start a business in your home to do home child care. And so I decided to do that instead. And it worked for 10 years. And uh, my mom noticed that my numbers were dropping and there, there was this lull sometimes at the spring and then it would jump back up in the summer. And she dove in and said, wouldn't you like to come work for me? <laughs> 
since she was kind of subsidizing, subsidizing, people don't pay enough for childcare. So yeah. she was subsidizing me and she says, you know, this is what I'll pay you. And it was going to be more and she needed help. And so I stopped and went to work in her bookkeeping and tax office for a few years um, until she passed. And no one in our family knows how to do the taxes. So we sold the business and then I worked <laughs> for a vet for two years. And that's when I found out I'm just not good with human injuries. I'm fine with animal injuries and handling oh, surgeries. And I just, as long as it's not the eyeballs, I can look at anything. But, you know, she if the doctor had to work on an eyeball, I held the head and I turned away. <laughs> <laughs> Great experience working there. Um, I learned a lot. And uh, from there, I went back into the accounting field for 11 years with that minor overlap of pet sitting. And then started this up again. So interesting. It's it's one of those paths that makes sense when you look back at it, but in the time it probably felt like you were pivoting very dramatically in different directions, but caring for children and then doing the accounting and then doing the veterinary work all probably fed very nicely into setting up for success having a business of doing boarding and daycare for dogs because those are very different skill sets. Yeah. You know, managing interactions, managing temperaments, personalities, tracking finances, uh, being able to to identify what is a serious injury, what is not, do basic care and grooming, handling all of the pieces. Well, I've I've been lucky, knockwood, so far. Um when I did childcare, the worst injury I ever had was a child needed a band-aid and an eyebrow because um, they fell into a coffee table I had. And um, here we've had one injury that I consider bad where a dog lost a nail in a gate. And so that gate was immediately taken out. Mm -hmm. And otherwise it's my dogs that seem to always have all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually their health though. So that's so cool. So what do you like best about this business that you have now? Well, as much as I loved my accounting work, um, I was accounts payable specialist and I did for a long time love the work. Um, the environment became toxic and I cried mm. driving to work. I cried at work. I cried from relief leaving the job and I would come home and I'd find this comfort in my animals or whoever was here mm -hmm. um, boarding. And so I was like, well, why would I keep being so sad all the time when these guys bring so much joy? And so the comfort I get from, because it is an isolated job. It is. Um, and so I get to find a little bit of happiness every day, something special every day from some little critter who makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. And now with the, uh, with the cats that I'm visiting, because I lost my cat, uh, I don't have any anymore of my own. So now going to visit other people's cats is extra special to me because I don't have that in my own life anymore. How many dogs do you typically have for a day of daycare? So, well, there's my two. Um, as soon as I have two more scheduled, I consider it full and I'll mark it full on my calendar. It really depends on who the dogs are. So if I have my most regular crew, the ones who have been here for years now, and they are all buds and kind of couch potatoes, I have gone up to seven for that group. But otherwise, five is a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, with the Keyshawns coming, I've dropped the numbers because they're two big dogs. And although one is older and will probably sleep under this desk and the other one will be outside running around like an idiot, um, it's still a, 
a lot. That's kind of nice. I mean, it gives you a, a nice, you know, home in your environment and not so wild, so many that you can't have it be a home environment. Right. The hardest part is matching the personalities. So we do, I offer free play dates. Um, and some people have never become clients. They just bring their dogs for socialization because it's good for their dog. It's good for the dogs here to keep meeting other dogs. And I get a person to talk to once in a while. Mm-hmm. So if they meet and they're good with the main group, I usually start with my most main group because I know exactly how they're going to respond. And if that's just too mellow for the dog, I'll introduce them to our current high energy, which is the pug puppies because they're two sibling pub- pugs. But if that doesn't work out, then we try to find some kind of mix where they can come. I do have some dogs who pretty much only get along with my animals and they just pay a higher amount because I can't book anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so. On a, on a regular basis, it, do you have dogs that come every day or do you have dogs that come a few days a week and then other dogs come a few days a week or is it completely random? I have two who are locked in at Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, one of them every other Saturday is a boarding and I don't know what her parents do on those Saturday, Sundays. They stay local. But uh, she comes and then she does have a couple of where she comes for an actual longer boarding. And then the pug puppies who just started, they are mostly Monday, Wednesday. Sometimes they throw in a Friday um, because with two of them, they just can't fit into the other days because I've got too many dogs on those days. Yeah. And uh, they're very high energy. (laughs) (laughs) For for dogs who end up snorting because they can't breathe, they sure can run a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So you said when you left the accounting, that job had had just become toxic and was so draining and that you resonated with the joy that you felt with the animals and switched your career to, to this career. Are you still able to tap into that feeling every day, that feeling of here I am with animals and that fills me up? Yeah. Yeah. When I, so I, I do like having an occasional day where there's just me and my dogs mm-hmm. and I think they do too. But then when the next day comes and I got the other dogs here, I'm like, ah, got my little friends coming to play. And <laughs> we're going to hang out. We're going to do some cuddles and, you know, go for a walk. So, and what do you find are the hard parts of this? Different things. Like there's a dog who um, I used her picture and I was updating the information on my website. And so her picture is the one that I have the selfie with. And they moved to Oregon. I love that dog so much. She was so attached to us too, that when they moved away, I um, took a blanket and I held it a lot and I had my dog sleep on it and I put it in a Ziploc bag and sent it with them so that she could have our scent because yeah. she didn't know any dogs or anyone where she was going. Had client animals pass. That is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even harder when they don't think that I need to know. And I find out in some roundabout way it's kind of hurts more and yeah, you know, but I've had some who they say, Hey, do you want to come say goodbye? Or can you please go with me or drive me? I'm going to be too emotional drive and I'm there. I'll be there for any one of them. Yeah. Who needs me. Yeah. I've had, I've had people tell me that about hearing afterwards about an animal who has passed like way after, like it just didn't occur to them to let someone know. And that that can feel 
disorienting in a way, you know, just like, oh, I didn't know. Um, but the the flip side of of being a part of the ending is both beautiful and difficult too. You know, that there is a, a privilege and an honor to be invited to come and say goodbye or to even go and help them driving there. And that is a weight, a weight to carry. I'm weirdly comfortable with that part, I think, because of my work at the clinic. Mm-hmm. Because before that, I had not gone in with my pets. It was our family way of doing it is just drop the dog off and or cat and go mm-hmm. um, if they hadn't died at home. And so I was left at the clinic and the doctor was out. She did house calls and she was out and a dog began to scream and I ran to the, I knew it was possibly not going to make it. She had warned me. And so I just opened the kennel and held it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was so upset because that was the first time I had had to do that alone. Yeah. Um, the doctor was so apologetic and I was like, no, it's okay because that dog wasn't alone. I was here for him and that's what mattered to me. And so she began, she had another um, staff member that she usually used for the big things because she had more experience, but I became her person to be with her with the clients for those procedures. Mm -hmm. And the clients sometimes requested my presence for that. So there must be something in me that says, says mm-hmm. Maria will do that. Yeah. Um, what do you think that might be? That thing that's in you? I don't know. I, well, I tend to, I tend to run my business and I do with the doctor also with her business. Um, I treat people like they're my family. That's how my mom treated her clients. And I watched her do that to the point where when she passed, I was comforting her clients more than they were comforting me because they were devastated with the loss uh we all were and so um i would be talking to the clients and i you know hey you know i'm calling about you know chi chi but before we schedule your appointment how's the baby doing and they were just like oh you know they'd be so excited i remembered something personal besides mm-hmm. just the business side of it and so i try to make a point to remember if a client slips in that they've got a birthday i know it on a calendar that that's their birthday so I'll try to remember it next year and things like that and so I think by creating not just a business environment but kind of a I call them my little rascals family mm-hmm. when I have to send out a correspondence I think it helps bring them closer to me and feel like at least some of them feel like I'm more of a family member yeah yeah that's beautiful thank you and so that human connection is a piece that that many pet professionals seek. Do you find that there are pet professionals in your area that that you can communicate with and bond with and have shared experiences so that people understand your job because people on the outside who wouldn't wouldn't really know what it's like to do daycare or boarding. What's your experience with that? There are a few other pet sitters in Napa that um, I communicate with um, and we do shared jobs or referrals to each other. We talk about getting together and we haven't been able to make that happen. Um, there's another network out of the next county and uh, I tried to join in with them. They weren't very welcoming. So I'm trying to get the Napa group going, but outside of meeting in person, I have met them all individually. 
it would be nice to to be able to face to face have a nice little conversation with them but we all do different things so like mine I'm like it kind of has to be here because of my business you guys are going into people's homes but I'm working at home and so I said I got this kitchen I got a yard I got a living room (laughs) if you don't mind a dog in your lap (laughs) which why would you be in this business exactly (laughs) yeah the the scheduling becomes really challenging uh, for for people just because the services that pet professionals offer tend to be all over the clock, you know, like yeah. it could be any time, any day. I used to have a group in in the mid-Atlantic area, which we called the Lunch Bunch. And it was, I guess, seven trainers in Maryland, D.C. and Virginia. And we would try to get together in a probably a two hour radius, depending on like if everybody drove as far as they possibly could. And it, the scheduling was so, so hard to do because you can't find a time that works for everybody consistently. Uh, but it was so great when we could. It was just really nice to actually be in person and see people and talk to people and have conversations where where someone understood what it was you were talking about without having to explain any of the backstory. Yeah. I mean, my close friends, they obviously understand what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been here since... One of my close friends uh, knows me from the daycare because her daughter was uh, 11 months old and in my daycare when we met and that girl got married this year. (laughs) And do you have any more kids or just the the one child? Of my own? Yeah. Uh, Just, I have one. Yeah. And you just said that you'd done the daycare, you know, so that enabled you to be with him and then also her. uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. That's all right. (laughs) I filled in a, I don't know what I got. She's, uh, she's 36 this year. Pretty great. Pretty great. Isn't it amazing how fast it goes? I often tell people when they've got some cute little, little toddler and I'm like, enjoy that because I blinked and my teenager became a 36 year old. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally crazy. So I had asked you for some words that are meaningful to you. And you shared a Maya Angelou quote. The quote is, I did then what I knew how to do. And now that I know better, I do better. Can you tell me what it is about that quote that resonates with you? So um, there's a lamp right here and hanging on it is that quote, but it's a paraphrase of it. And I've written the full quote on the other side. Um, And it was given to me twice. This is the second one. I don't know what I did with the first one. Um, when I took different dogs through, um, therapy training, uh, here in town mm-hmm. and, um, it kind of makes me cry a little bit when I, when she first handed it to us the first time. And then the second time it got me emotional again. I just, when I look back and see what, wow, what, what were you doing? You know, why did you do things like that? And uh, I'm just glad that I've learned from, you know, the sloppiness of my past. And I'm doing better now. (laughs) You know, from raising kids to working with the animals and just in general with people. Mm -hmm. uh, I I feel like I hope I've improved Mm -hmm. and I'm doing better. Yeah. I like the self-compassion in that quote. You know, that she's not beating herself up for what she had done in the past because she's recognizing 
that she was doing the best she knew how to do. No, I did then what I knew how to do. And I think that that is a piece that that so many people struggle with. And in my coaching calls, it often comes up. I can't believe I did that. Or why didn't I do this? Or I'm so disappointed in myself because of whatever. And when we can reach a spot of of self-compassion and understanding that our, our goals are good and we're trying to do our best, but sometimes we're limited in what our best looks like or feels right. like um, to give ourselves that grace and to just say, well, what I did then, I did then for a reason. And now I would do differently because I have a different perspective and different resources and different abilities than I had at that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I did some really crazy stuff and just dumb stuff, you know, it, it's the hardest part for me, I think is with, um, the raising of my pets. Uh, like currently I think I do a really good job and, and my daughter kind of judges people based on what she sees here mm-hmm. compared to what they're doing. Um, but I grew up, in the time where uh, we didn't let our dog run loose, but in general, people just opened the door and the dog went out mm-hmm. and ran the neighborhood. But our cats did. And, uh, you know, so we had a cat who was injured a lot. He had a lot of injuries. And, you know, uh, my scared cat was put out there. And so my brother's was a tough guy who got in the fights with dogs. Mm-hmm. And mine was the scaredy cat. And he should have really been kept inside. And, yeah. you know, we didn't do that to the point where I was an adult and my first time living out on my own. And I don't remember where this kitten came from, but my friends and I, I remember we were playing with a kitten at my apartment and um, I just opened the door because we had always just, my cat was a kitten when we started letting him go out. And so I let him go out whenever I saw that cat again. Mm. So, you know, but my last cats were indoor cats and that's why the last two were 14 and a half and almost 19 years old. Yeah. Yep. When we know better, we do better. That is true. So if people wanted to learn more about you and your work, how could they do that? Well, um, I have a website, uh, littlerascalspetcare.com. And Facebook is also littlerascalspetcare. Instagram is rascaltrainer. And my email is rascaltrainer at aol.com. So I'm available to see what we're doing and uh, chat if anybody wants to chat with me. Awesome. Thanks so much for talking with me today, Maria. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. I invite you to come learn more at ColleenPilar.com where you can be steady, be strong, and be long.